Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to The COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performers for the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Now, before I go any further, as always, please allow me to introduce to my panel of experts, President experts on the market. We've got Caroline Wong, the ever stoic Gabriel Ryan, and of course, our senior trader, Linson Cow. Okay, gents and ladies, let's start things off as always with a little bit of macroeconomic data. What's been happening in the world at the moment? What's shaping the investment landscape? Now, tip of everyone's tongue is of course, the vaccination whereabouts are we sitting? We talk about it every week, but let's go through in summary where we are. Starting off with Linson, have a quick chat. Oh, sorry, starting off with Gabe, let's uh, let's have a quick chat about where we're at at the moment. Well, we have those three vaccines. Uh, we've all discussed this before. We have the Pfizer, BioNTech, BioNTech, uh, AstraZeneca, and Moderna. Now, over in the UK, they've already started deploying, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the Pfizer vaccine, I believe. So people are already being injected. I think the first was a 92-year-old woman, a very cute old lady with a nice uh, Christmas sweater, I think, as uh, Caroline mm-hmm. was mentioning. So they've already started rolling those out now over in the UK. Okay, so now these are people that don't have COVID though, right? These are people that just need to be immunized or they're, they're prone to it. What's the, are they, do they have it already? And then it's just hoping for a cure or what's the... What's well, the I, I, think, I think part of the agenda, especially in the, uh, the first instance of the vaccine being rolled out was to uh, immunize those that are the most susceptible. Okay. And those that are frontline workers, so nurses, doctors, people of that nature. Okay, and... When, when obviously the 1922, now there's been a little bit of sort of talk around a potential allergic reaction or something. Did yes. I read that? Yeah, I did. I did read that as well. I think that was with the, um, in the UK, people were having some allergic reactions. I think that's relatively common though. I know when you have flu shots as well, people have mm-hmm. certain reactions to that. After all, you are being injected with a live virus. And it's people that are prone to allergic reactions that normally get this. Exactly. Is that right? Exactly. Anything for us to worry about, do you think? Or? Well, it doesn't really appear so. I'm, I wouldn't imagine there's anything really to worry about. If you have no history of allergic reactions to it, you should totally be fine. So all being things thing equal, things you're rolling out quite nicely. Is yeah, that right? pretty smooth thus far, yeah. And when are we anticipating, I know we spoke about it last week quite mm. a bit, but when are we anticipating a potential rollout here in Australia? I think that wouldn't be until... Uh, would be first first few months of next year, I believe. Carolyn, do you know the exact date? So, current ex- estimated dates first quarter of twenty twenty one. And uh, where are we situated with all like the cooling down, etc.? I think it's got to. Did Pfizer say it needs to be kept at a very low temperature? Or yeah, I think there are a lot, a lot of uh, complexities and uh, a lot of nuances in regards to the storage. I think it needs to be stored at negative seventy degrees. And I think once it's being pulled out of that uh, cryo chamber, if you will, I think it has a maximum life cycle of five days thereafter. 
So I'll just stay on that topic for one second because yep. there's quite a few, as you said, complexities through there. Now, that is bound to happen when mm. the average life cycle for a vaccination is, what, 10, 11 years? Normally, it takes a very long time yes. to, to come out with a vaccination. We've done one very, very quickly. Yes. I imagine people are going to be getting frustrated. But how are the market's going to react? Because... The markets had a bit of a, a wobble and a bit of a pullback when Pfizer said they were sort of um, facing supply chain issues. Could you see that as a risk moving forward for the market that uh, maybe they'll have something go wrong and uh, the markets will move that back down on, on behalf of that? Well, potentially. Um, I think it won't be as extreme as on the announcement that we saw initially when they had the vaccine. Also, I think it's important to keep in mind we have Moderna and AstraZeneca as well. So we've got backups to backups. Essentially, essentially. Okay, very good. I'm going to go over to Caroline now because I know you've been keeping a very breast, abreast of one of the stocks that we cover and that we um, focus on. I think most people have heard of CSL. Mm-hmm. And they went through, something happened in the news today, I think. Or yes, so our market darling CSL. Yes. has announced today that they will no longer be proceeding with phase two and phase three vaccine trials for a vaccine that, that they have been developing with the University of Queensland. Mm-hmm. So CSL, as you said, market darling, it's almost mm. un-Aust- I've heard a lot of people say it's almost un-Australian to not hold CSL in, mm-hmm. in one's portfolio. Now, I would anticipate that if that was an announcement, a bit of a blow to, the, to that, um, that company, did it come down a lot today or... It was actually better than expected. It was it ended three percent down. Okay. So it was not too bad. But I actually have more to talk about it in a picture if we can pull it up. Mm-hmm. So the picture shows two vaccine candidates the government has entered into an agreement with. So CSL has been conducting phase one vaccine trials on two hundred and sixteen participants since July. This is shown on the red graph on the left. Um, However, results showed false positive on a range of HIV tests. So for people who do not know what false positive is, it is when a test incorrectly indicates the presence of a condition. Mm -hmm. So no serious health um, concerns were surfaced, but as a result, the government has cancelled 51 million doses of vaccines it has previously ordered with um, CSL. Okay, so not ideal. And I Mm. certainly, I mean... I mean, we might as well talk about it. Is CSL, do you think, a buy at the moment? or Because, I mean, the vaccination would be, pardon the pun, might have been the shot in the arm it needed <laughs> to really catapult to the north. But now that that's not, maybe not happening, is it, is it a stay away from, bearish on it? What, what do you yeah, think, Yeah, but Carla? since last week, we touched a little bit on CSL, had 11 days, straight days of straight red candlesticks, which wasn't too good. But thankfully for us, we didn't put all eggs in one basket. We have AstraZeneca. Of course. And the government has actually um, boosted we have added extra 20 million doses on top of the 33 million doses we already have with AstraZeneca. Okay, okay. Very, very good. Well, listen, I'm going to cycle over now to listen to a completely different topic now. At the mm. moment. I'm going to have a quick chat to you about iron ore, which is something that we've been watching quite closely, mm-hmm. and the whole implications that we've got with China. Now, sure. I know you're going to talk a little bit about iron ore a bit later in the show, so I want to focus on the trade tensions that we've got brewing Yep. between uh, China and us at the moment. Okay, um, maybe we'll step back a, a little bit because we did touch upon this last week, but why are we even having them in the first place? So if we go back long enough, part of it is because we started banning them from our 5G network. We're not the only country that's done this. Other that's countries, Huawei, yes? Huawei, yes. Yep. Oh yes, yeah, so Huawei. Mm. But I sort of say them because most of the companies, even though they're private, they're sort of semi-state, okay, yeah. quasi-state-owned companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we've increased scrutiny of our foreign investment review board, the FERB, has started increasing their scrutiny over certain uh, acquisitions that mm-hmm. the Chinese companies, again, state-owned quasi or actually state-owned companies are making in Australia. But the real nail in the coffin was when 
we happen to be the first ones to call for an independent inquiry into the origins of COVID. Okay. So because we, we were perceived to have moved first, they sort of honed in on us and said, well, if you're going to do that, then how about this, this, and this? And from my last count, we're up to 11 different uh, items that have been uh, the subjects. So uh, earlier this week, lamb. So two exporters were barred. The supposed reason was they've had some COVID outbreaks. Yes. Uh, however, there are US supplies that have had COVID outbreaks that have not been barred. Yes. So maybe they'll Seems get to, to them next week, okay. but mm -hmm. I suspect not. Uh, there was a little bit of positivity last week. So some coal shipments did get unloaded. And I think we mentioned that briefly, but we don't know whether that was just because that was sitting there for too long, whether that's an official move. The week before that, of course, Treasury Wines, for instance, got smacked big time because of the wine tariffs, the tariffs that were 107 to 212%. So... Now to cycle back to your original question though, yes. iron ore for the moment has been exempt. So I think we have a chart to display for this. Yes. So we've got to look at iron ore export to China. We can see that the white line, total goods exported to China, it still looks like it's in a rough uptrend. But if you break it down between iron ore and other, you can see it's iron ore that's really holding things up and the other is trending down. Now, Maybe they just haven't found any contaminations in our iron ore. I suspect yeah. the reason is because they are so dependent on our iron ore for their infrastructure-led recovery, as, as Caroline's mentioned many times. Uh, also because if they were to completely cut us off, they would not come close to being able to source their requirements for iron ore from other countries in the world. Now that's until the Vale over in Brazil opens up. Is that right? Uh, so it's only- it's I'm actually gonna maybe look over this way because I suspect mm. the answer is even they would not be enough to so cover. Even if it does open back up again. So it's- uh, Because I think the figure I saw was they would only be able to get to 56% of their current amount if they cut Australia off completely. So I suspect Vale would not be enough to make to, up that okay. remaining 44%. But if I'm wrong, and, and, yeah, nope. okay. right, very good. Well, we'll get, whether you're right or wrong, but yep. we'll, let's forgive my crudeness on this, but my understanding is Western Australia is quite a bit closer to China than, uh, than Brazil. Is that correct? So that could be a little bit easier for them to ship it straight from that. I Would that be, a, so. that be a safe assumption? I suspect so. And they've, they've got very good relations with, um, with Twiggy and Fortescue Metals as well. One so of the, one of the, he's got a big, a big, big owner of Fortescue that's uh, affiliated with China. Is that correct? I believe so. But I think you're more on top of that than I am. Okay. Very, very good. So in a nutshell, to, to summarize it up, it all came back because we were one of the first people to make a, a probe for an inquiry into the origins of COVID-19 from China. Is that correct? I think that was the nail in the coffin. We'd done, I mean, we'd, we'd done, we, there were other th reasons for it as well, but I mean, there, you could really, they could have looked at really many other countries in the world and targeted them as well. And to be fair, they actually kind of have yes. in different ways. Yeah. Uh, but for these particular tensions, and we, we could really talk about this for the whole podcast, mm -hmm. if we, to, we won't, but I suspect that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, I, I am going to ask you a question, and it's to do with the, the, the current, the ex, the exiting, whatever, uh, US President Donald Trump. Mm. I feel like we're not going to be able to talk about him for much longer yeah, before sure. his uh, old news, mm. okay? But shouldn't he be? I thought he was the one that would have originally instigated a probe into the origins of uh, COVID. Yeah. Uh, Seems I weird that it was, it was us on, on there, and, I, and I'm sort of thinking... Why did we, pick, why were we the ones that picked a fight? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think I remember the day where ScoMo said something along those lines and I didn't think anything of it because I thought that was just kind of an obvious thing to do. Like if I was evacuated from my building because of a fire from the corner apartment, I would want to know 
what started that fire. So I would have thought it was a very self-evident statement to be making. Uh, mm -hmm. I suspect Trump just happened to not say it first. He might have been preoccupied with the election. I mean, he has been consistently calling it the China virus. The Chinese virus. Um, and they've, also, they've already got their own tension. So maybe they just felt like, oh, we've got enough going with them. Let's start some over here. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And Gabe, I'm just going to cycle yeah. back to yourself because I know you keep a very close eye on sectors. Now you're going to talk a little bit about sector rotation later mm. in the show. But uh, what areas or what uh, stocks would you be staying away from because of these emerging tensions? Uh, yeah, I think we did touch on this last week, but certainly uh, reinforcing that every week, there's all this negative news that comes out. A lot of discretion areas, I feel. I Because I think you spoke a lot about uh, TWE, because that yeah. was one of the first ones to really cop that. Uh, yeah. Th those tensions. I think, on, on I the think nose. that's that, that's also probably a very uh, uh, potentially risky proposition at this stage. TWE. Yes. Maybe uh, steer clear of that. It's been quite choppy, very very up and down, very yeah, very up and down. Certainly, it's one of those ones that I think is uh, well, we all know. In fact, it has been heavily affected by those tariffs. But in terms of our index, uh, we're largely compromised of BHP, Rio, uh, Fortescue Metal, a lot of iron yeah. ore producers, a lot of oil producers. Should we be that affected? Should we be that worried about these tensions? Is it a real thing? Is it, is it going to escalate into anything? Do you see further risks? Well, in reality, you have to take into account the reality mm -hmm. of the situation. And that is that the Chinese don't really have their own independent source of iron ore. Okay. And therefore, they are reliant on us. I do feel that that is almost a consensus, not just within the office, but yep. I feel uh, within the uh, the analyst community as well. As it relates to wine, other goods Take like lobsters, yeah. lamb, those can be sourced from other places. Okay. And in terms of, I suppose, in terms of setting iron ore aside, moving more on just escalating these tensions, is there any danger that we could get into a serious uh, argument with, uh, with China? Is this going to keep going up? Because I know... They, did, they said some stuff, they posted some stuff we didn't yes. like, we kind of didn't handle it particularly well, or maybe we did, I'm not sure what, but it's getting a bit, it's getting a bit, sort of, is it getting serious now, or is it not well, really anything for you to be worried about? Are you nervous? You don't look nervous. I'm not really nervous about a lot of things, usually. <laughs> uh, I'm not privy to any... Uh... There's a reason we call you the ever-stoic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in, a, in any case, it's, uh, it's certainly something really interesting to watch at this stage, um, hopefully the politicians can, you know, just filibuster the way out of the uh, the situation and uh, maybe we can move forward in a positive direction. Very good. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you do have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Now, everyone who does this will receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, which is retailing in Dimex for $39.95 or our magazine selling in news agencies Australia-wide for $19.95. We're going to be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. As kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. We had no limits, we had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. 
Persec is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Persec Kandari Securities. Throughout time, humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve using new and improved methods. Having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Do you follow currencies? Want to know how the Aussie dollar is travelling? Do you love commodities? Do you see gold prices rising? Do you see more demand for oil? 
do you see the world economy growing? Get the latest in-depth analysis and discussion on commodities every week from Real Traders. Get real insights only on The Cosec Show. Welcome back and thanks for joining. Let's talk about currencies, commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold and make the world go round. Now, I'm going to turn it over to the team because this is an exciting time to be looking at commodities right now. Commodities have really been the flavour, certainly of today and certainly overnight. We have got nickel on an all-time high, We've got iron ore, 156, whatever it is at the moment. We've got oil reaching for the skies as well. Gold's a little bit softer. Let's not talk about that right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to go straight to, straight to Linson, and he's going to talk to us about the currency at the moment because that is also something that's very interesting. Please explain what we're seeing in the patterns at the moment. Okay, so short answer, it's going up. Yes. It being the Aussie dollar. Uh, a few reasons for this. So just for context, since the COVID vaccine breakthrough five weeks ago now, it's up over 4%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but for currencies, they tend to move far less than other assets. So 4% is not small in the currency okay. world. A few reasons for this. Number one, US dollar. So thing to remember when you're trading currencies is you're never just buying, you're never going long, you're never yes. going short. You're always doing two things. You're going okay. long one thing and short something else. Mm -hmm. So in this case, we're traded against the US dollar. Mm -hmm. US dollar is a safe haven currency. So because of the risk on sentiment, the US dollar has been falling. So we're not the only ones that are at relative to two and a half year highs against the US dollar. The Kiwi dollar, the Canadian dollar, the Euro, I think the Swiss francs at like a six or seven year okay. high against it. So that's one reason for it. Secondly, we are also, we being the Aussie, we are also a risk on currency. So again, with risk on sentiment, that's going to be positive. And thirdly, we're also a commodity currency. Mm -hmm. So iron ore. Yes. Price of iron ore going up, Aussie dollar going up as well. Okay. So, and what's the cap? Is there a cap? Is there going to be, where's it going to go to from here? Uh, what? Do you want an exact prediction for six months? I would now? like an exact <laughs> prediction. And uh, this time I'd like you to put money on it, please. All right. 78.7. <laughs> you heard it here first, yeah. ladies and gents. I completely don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't quote no, me on that, no please. One. So um, in all seriousness, so where can we expect this to top out? Is it going to keep going? Because it's certainly looking very, very bullish. Yeah, like once something breaks out like this, there's no reason to put a cap. Like, but to put, put this in context, I remember many years ago now when we went to Vegas, we were complaining about the currency having dropped to the low 90s. Yes, right. Because it had been above parity not that in the preceding 12 months. So if you can imagine a time when we were complaining about a currency in the low 90s and now we're cheering a currency in the the mid 70s mm -hmm. so there's no reason it can't keep going especially if global sentiment continues to be positive now let's, let's cycle over to the us dollar mm -hmm. okay because we'll, we'll talk about that as well because that's going down now that's been announced by jerome powell that in an effort to curb inflation or stop inflationary pressure he will keep devaluing the the us dollar so is that going to be likely to stop anytime soon or is that going to keep going unlikely now i don't know if he quite said it like that yes. because america has been labeling other countries as currency manipulators <laughs> for doing that exact thing so i suspect he would have finessed the wording a little it, bit differently but differently. inevitably if you're going to look and try to target inflation which mm -hmm. is totally mm -hmm. legit for yes. central banks mm -hmm. part of that is you know it's going to affect your currency mm -hmm. so it's a very fine line between targeting inflation and targeting your currency Right. Uh, but clearly they are trying to get inflation back to a certain level. They're going to keep rates low, but so is every other country in the world. So 
How much lower do you think you could drop? Same same question. Is it going to keep going down for a bit? Or? I mean, the dollar index, as I said, it's two, two and a half year lows. I think the dollar index is around 92 at the moment. There's no reason that can't, that can't keep going down. But other countries as well, I mean, the ECB came out overnight. As expected, they're expanding their bond buying program. They're also extending it. So Christine Lagarde did say, we're not explicitly targeting the euro, but we're clearly looking at it. And she even said it's because it's relevant to that question of inflation, which is relevant to our decision-making process. Are you, are you excited about the, the currency? Is this a space that you're looking for investing in? Do you think it's a place where there's growth or volatility? Or? Uh, I'd be more excited if I could go on holiday. Like, um, <laughs> no, right now. You'd be more excited if you could take that money and convert it to something and then go spend it. In exactly. Yeah. So I guess my wife would be more excited because yes. she actually does more online shopping overseas. I do okay. a bit less of that. So... It's yeah. good to know, but, but in terms, until of, I can go in terms of investing, in terms of investing, is it an area where you see people put, putting money into? Do you think it's a, a good place to be making gains at the moment? Or If you're comfortable with it, sure. I mean, that's a pretty obvious statement. If you're comfortable with it, sure. But as I mentioned at the start, it is an inherently less volatile okay. uh, asset. So you could see that as less risk, but also if you want to make those quicker gains, it is going to be harder to do that in the Forex market. Very good. Okay. I promised before that we were going to have a quick chat about uh, about uh, commodities. I'm going to start off with oil. Gabe, I'm going to flick over to yourself. Have a chat to us about what oil is doing because this is exciting. This is something that's it's breaking up. Okay, seeing it move into a strong upward trend now. It's broken out of that very sideways pattern that we yes. saw before. Give us your analysis on what you think is going to happen and where you think it's going to go from here. Well, I think... Following the broader narrative we've been seeing the past few weeks, a lot of positivity in oil markets off the back of those vaccines, that's a very natural conclusion to come to. Yes. We did have a very interesting uh, report from the uh, the EIA in regards to uh, oil inventories. Yes. And that was uh, bearish. However, if you look at the actual chart, there was a very muted reaction to how uh, oil moved on the day and has since actually done very well. I think with the vaccine rollout in the UK, we have seen a lot of positivity moving forward, despite the fact that nominally no one is necessarily driving as much or flying as much. I think moving forward, we should see a lot of positivity for oil. What's the risks with oil? Because I'm sort of looking at it, I look at that chart and I think, wow, that just looks like it's coming back up again. Nice and bullish, things to do moving in a positive direction. What's the risk that you can see with that? Well, I suppose, and this touches on something you mentioned and raised before, is that if there is a heavily adverse reaction or news regarding a vaccine, yes. they may see some uh, volatility coming into the oil space, as naturally that would not be very positive. Um, I think, uh, despite that, though, you know, maybe inventory draws, supply-demand dynamics, potential oil cuts, output, that will really have the effect that we, uh, we're looking for. In, in my time sort of trading the markets and having a look at how these stocks, if it's stocks and commodities and currencies have been going, I find that the more they go up and the more overheated they become or mm -hmm. the higher they get, the more growth we see, the more it takes to unsettle them just even a little bit. And that's what I was sort of alluding to a little bit before with mm. all we're going to need is one little jitter about the vaccination and we could see a you know, 2%, 3% drop yes. in the market. Is that the same with oil? Is it just going to be one little thing that can have us plunging back down again, 5% drop in a day, and then suddenly potentially tears again. <laughs> potentially. That, that could be that could be a short-term reaction. I think uh, worth noting is that both Moody's and Fitch have $45 per barrel price targets on Brent for the next year, factoring yes. in the supply-demand dynamics. Again, these vaccines aren't being rolled out uh, for the rest of us, so to speak, until next year. So they're probably factoring that in as well. All prices still seem to be moving in a positive direction. So that's it, it sounds quite, it sounds, it's a very crude thing for me to be saying, but, <laughs> but yeah, pardon the pun, very crude thing for me to be saying, but 
when you say the rest of us, we, we were obviously talking and alluding to Caroline's chart that we saw last week that was said that obviously it's going to be rolled out into stages. We're going to be one of the last people to kind of get it. But in yep. reality, we're probably one of the countries which drives the most because we're such yep. a large com- uh, large country. Okay. Uh, and potentially um, you know, the others are the ones that are actually using oil a lot more. Would that be a safe assumption to be making? I think that is certainly a safe assumption to be making. Very good. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn over to Caroline because I know you've been very diligently watching the supply and the demand of this old thing, iron ore, because this is really the topic of the week at the moment is, is how bullish this has been. Talk to us about this chart that you've been looking at. So we look at the chart of iron ore as possibly the hottest commodity looking this week. Um, over the last five trading days, it's been going up and up and up, very solid green candlesticks. Um, this is not forgetting like three weeks ago, it was just trading at $128 a tonne. Yes. And it's both like, as you said, de- demand and supply driven. So on the demand side, um, China has been doing very well. Mm-hmm. And this is unlike previous years, because usually at this time of the year, demand is usually softer because of winter. Mm-hmm. However, because of this year, there's a warmer than expected winter. So okay. construction activity can still carry on. On the supply side of the equation, Vale, um, last week, they have just revised, revised downwards their production guidance. But nevertheless, this is to say that next year they're expecting to produce more iron ore. Mm. And this sort of alludes to the second chart that I have, surplus or deficit in iron ore and aluminium market. So um, if we look at the chart, we can see that between this year and the next, there is a forecast of a 30% reduction in deficit next year based on the assumption that supply will gradually resume. Very, very good. I think uh, you've become a bit of a prophet in the, in the office <laughs> because you mentioned iron ore probably three podcasts ago and then you mm-hmm. recently, most recently and you were bullish, 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 bullish. We yep. were all laughing because you said exactly. double bull because you thought it would go up in the short term. You were giving term. me weird stares when I said the long term. I bullish. was like, really? Long term? <laughs> and then suddenly it's just gone up, what, 10 12%. So I'm going to be coming to you for some, uh, some ideas very, very shortly. Gabe, I'm going to circle to you very, very quickly. Yep. And this is something we love to talk about, but we're not really talking about it in the past little while. And that is the price of gold. Yes. What's happening there? A lot of things are happening. <laughs> a lot of things are happening there. Um, it's sort of all over the place. It's in shambles again. Um, we saw a little bit of a of a tick up, but I think the you know the main things that gold will benefit from at this stage mm-hmm. is U.S. fiscal stimulus coming through, okay. and this will be the narrative I feel moving forward for the last few months before those vaccines came through. It was moving generally speaking against uh, the U.S. dollar index. Naturally, risk on, risk off, as Lindsay will always say, mm-hmm. and off the back of a little bit less certainty regarding the possibility of US fiscal stimulus passing. We have seen gold take a little bit of a tumble. I feel as though whenever that gets passed or if it does get passed, inflation expectations will go up as such gold will most likely be a beneficiary of that. But certainly the shines are starting to come off it a little bit. Uh, maybe. Is that, maybe. That was, there we go. <laughs> so that's commodities and currencies and the events that have shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. Our phone lines are now open. Also, If you're watching us live, you can type a comment into the comment section on YouTube and we'll be more than happy to answer it. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have a look at the best and worst performers of the Australian market this week. The world changed this year. So did the stock market. 
Is it time for a change in your portfolio? Invest with confidence. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with COSEC, Kodari Securities. RBA has cut interest rates to a record low of 0.1%. Returns in saving accounts are now shockingly low. We have never seen these conditions before. The good news is that the stock market benefits from low interest rates and historically has outperformed property or any other asset class. COSEC uses a unique stock market filtering system called Lotus Blue, which helps generate solid profits for clients. During COVID in April 2020, COSEC recommended Kogan, which went up 340%. In June, COSEC recommended Saracen Minerals, which went up 23%. In October, COSEC recommended Nickel Mines, which went up 33%. If you want your money working overtime, you need to know what stocks to buy and when to sell. That's where COSEC can help. With no barriers to entry, it's just simple investing. Build wealth with a concrete investment strategy. Go to cosec.com.au. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue and receive our top eight stock picks today. Humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve using new and improved methods, having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities.
Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. However, before we go any further, we do have a question on the comments section. So this comes from GazPats49. Now, he said, hi team. Given that Job Seeker will soon cease, how do you see the future of small business? Restarting slash failing and the wider ranging effects of all financial areas, e.g. real estate and general commerce. He's then followed that up by saying, also, how do you view commercial property values given my previous question and the huge increase in online retailing since COVID? Wow, what a great question. I'm very glad I don't have to answer that. Let's turn <laughs> over to Linson. Now, I know you've been looking Thanks, at that uh, in the ad break uh, and formulating some very good responses there. Hmm. What are your thoughts? So it actually is a very good question. That's not a patronizing comment at all. Um, so let's just start with this. So we, we knew that unemployment was going to go up as a result of the pandemic. It probably didn't go up as much as would have happened if not for JobKeeper. So it was certainly a positive, as have been positives in all the other countries that implemented similar schemes. However, it was always inevitably going to come to an end. So I guess there's a two part aspects to this. The first is that to the extent that it rolls off too soon and whether or not that is the case remains to be seen, but less money in, P in the pockets of employees. So if unemployment then resumes that uptrend, that's less money to spend, not great for small business. You look at another aspect of it, the direct impact on the business itself if they're not getting subsidized wages and if they have to start letting people go, that's obviously going to be a detriment to that as well. Now, I do know some people think it is rolling off too soon. I don't think I'm in a position to say whether or not that is really the case, but it is certainly a risk um, that has to be factored in. Okay, uh, Caroline, I know you were talking to me quite a bit in the break and you, you mm -hmm. had some very insightful comments about that. <laughs> what does your, what was your, what's your sort of take on that question? Very good question. So, um, when the JobKeeper first started rolling out, what my, my observation was that retail sales surged a lot, mm -hmm. but these has, this growth has started to peter out a little bit over the, the, the recent few months. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be my take on retail sales. But I would like to also answer the part about business um, conditions. Yes. Yeah. So what I've read recently is that for, from the NAB business survey, business confidence and business con conditions have actually trended really well and they're back up at pre-pandemic levels. So I'm quite positive about that in that regard. Oh, very good, very good. I'm just going to look at the last section of the, the question, which is commercial property and the values given the previous question. In terms of commercial property, I'm assuming we're talking about people returning back to work, so office spaces, etc. Gabe, What's your thought on that? Uh, is the city getting busier? Is it? Uh, is there people returning back to work more? I have noticed the traffic is awful lately, so I think <laughs> potentially that's certainly the case. I do feel as though that is a very interesting question and really plays into the whole COVID situation now where we have all this work at home software. People, anecdotally, I know people that are very happy to work some days from home, some days in the office. That does bring into question the efficiency and the value in actually having office spaces for your employees when it may not be being used to its full effect. Potentially commercial property may be negatively affected by that. Yeah, and uh, I suppose one of the big things, I, I know I've spoken to a couple of people that I know uh, and one of them says, yeah, yeah, I'm back to the office. I'm, I'm back to the office. It's going to be hardcore back in the office. He's turning up three days a week and the perhaps of next. And I thought, well, that's not really back to the office. Uh, hardcore. Yeah, it's, not, it's not really that hardcore. It's, it's still working from home quite a bit. But he was in lockdown for a very, very long yeah. time. So I think anything's going to be a little bit better than nothing at this stage. For sure. Well, Gaz Pats, I hope that really answers your question. Um, 
keep them coming. We want to know if you've got any other questions about anything that we're discussing at the moment. But for now, let's move on to Caroline, who's going to talk to us a little bit about what the best and worst sectors within the market and the best performers were this week. Take it away, Caroline. So up to Thursday, the ASX was on a seven-day winning streak, which was amazing. But let's look at the chart that we have. Um, it shows the average sector performance from Monday to Thursday this week. Very clearly outperformer. Top, our top outperformer was consumer staples. A lot of lifting was done by Mad Cash, ticker code MTS, who surged 10% on Monday on the back of a strong first half results, um, where they announced a rebound in profits as a, and a declaration of higher dividend. And then next, the second outperformer was healthcare. Um, Helios, who is a company venturing in the diagnostic imaging, pathology and hospitals, um, they sought 7% on the back of a trading update, which was very, very positive. And last but not least, not surprisingly, materials did very well. Iron ore producers contributed um, a fair share to this search. Champion Iron. I think we've spoken way too much about <laughs> iron ore, but we'll continue, continue. Yeah. Champion Iron, ticker code CIA, searched 2% over yep. the week. But more importantly, Fortescue Metals Group, FMG, all-time high, hitting $23 before slightly um, coming back down. Very, very good. So those were those were the ASX performers. Uh, Gabe, we've recently been speaking a little bit about sector rotation. Yes. And, and that's one thing that I think is a, a sort of a buzzword at the moment, our sector rotation. Yeah. And I think, Linson, do you like to call it the uh, the reopening rotation as we go back into that? Talk to us about that. Where are we situated with that at the moment? Well, I suppose as a quick summary uh, for those who, are, who may not be aware or haven't been following the podcast, we did see that uh, reopening rotation, as Linson termed it, off the back of those COVID vaccines. So movements away from... Uh, value into more cyclical stocks, I believe. So a lot of companies which are doing very well during the pandemic, such as uh, Kogan, uh, Kodan, we saw some pretty uh, negative uh, giga sticks on that day, which uh, clearly just showed you the effect of that uh, rotation. And that has really been cemented further. Appen is a great example. I think we actually have a chart on this as well. Appen, partially due to that as well, just yesterday, they did drop their earnings guidance for the full year. On top of that, over in the US, we have this issue with Facebook potentially being broken up never before. See, wow. will never be the same again. I think WhatsApp, uh, I'm not sure if that's a, um, a competition clause of some kind, but they're a massive uh, conglomerate. And as such, we are seeing tech being a little bit uh, hit globally. That happened, Chad, that, that, that drop, that's 12%. Yes. Is that right? That was yep. a horrific pullback. Yes. Uh, we was watching it uh, the whole day. Really, really started to drop off. And is that... Typical across a lot of tech spaces, Altium, uh, Wysec, are they sort of in a similar space? Or? Yeah, well, they're certainly not trending upward, that's for sure. Yeah, I guess yeah they, they've all been negatively affected. It's stag stagnating a little bit. All right, Linson, I'm going to turn it over to yourself. Where do you see growth? And I think you're going to let me know Let me know which, sure, which, which, sure. which area you see a lot of growth for. But uh, whereabouts would you be putting your money in these? So like, which can, sector? I think you've still got to stick with what we can see in the short term, which is, as Gabe said, it's the value in the cyclicals at the moment. So I think a question that people have been asking, I think it came up in one of the investment committee meetings is when is the time to get back into growth or tech stocks? Yes. So by no means is tech dead. Obviously we are still going to need it and it's going to need it more and more as we go forward. But generally you don't want to be buying, trying to catch a falling knife is, yep. is what we always like to say. So the answer for is, is it time to buy into tech? It's not yet. Okay, now, so when it's not, will it be? It's not the turnaround, we, we need to kind of wait. And maybe a good example is, is Appen, which Gabe just brought up. So if we just go back, uh, take a step back. If we look at the indices, Australia's been up in the past five weeks, pick five weeks as the COVID breakthrough, mm -hmm. up about 7%. Europe's up about 10%. The US is less so, about 4%. 
Now the NASDAQ is up, but it's only up two and a half percent. So the S and P has been dragged down because of its relatively higher reliance on tech. Now with Appen, if we apply our top down investing approach, you can see it's still a great company. It's, it's IT it's to do yeah. with it's, uh, speech recognition. Is that a, it's oversimplification, yes, but that's roughly it. Um, language translation services. Yeah. So fundamentally it was still looking great as Gabe correctly pointed out though, they did have that trading update. They downgraded their earnings guidance by about 15%, yeah. right? Which is not awesome. Uh, but you know, brokers are still behind it. However, if you look at the tech on a technical basis, you can see it formed a lower high and a lower low, and then it fell below its 200 day moving average. And that's why last week and earlier this week, we were actually advising clients to move away from that. Not because we thought it was a terrible business. But just but in the short to medium term, you could see a bit of a, a pullback. Exactly. Right? And at the very least, it's acting as an opportunity cost. You can't take advantage of other higher upside opportunities. And I think that's something that's worth always keeping in mind. So people don't want to get out of businesses that they have long-term conviction on, but it's not like say breaking up with someone and then trying to get back with them a month later, they remember all the things you said to them. The stock doesn't care why you sold it and it's still going to be I there. I love that analogy. Month. That is the best. I love so, that. Because that's why we're in the ASX 300, right? Yeah. They have a track record, but they're also liquid. You can get back in. And if you were right about it going down, you're going to get back in at a lower price. Yeah. Okay. And in the meantime, you're not missing out. You don't have that opportunity cost on you. So Again, you can always get back into it if you feel that that's the time. Now, obviously we can't sit here and say, we knew that trading update was going to be as bad as it was. If I said that, you know, I was either lying or I had insider knowledge. Neither of those is it true is in this case. <laughs> it is, it is, um, good. But there were many indicators that it was time to get out of Appen well before that. And I, I just named three very obvious technical indicators. So that's the reason I would say, keep an eye on it, but now is not the time. I don't think to maybe you ask me again on Monday. I'm going to ask you every week. <laughs> exactly. And the answer might be yes. So I'm, keep, I'm hoping keep for more, more great, great analogies on, uh, on sort of everything that's sort of been, uh, huh, I'll work on it for, uh, <laughs> for the next episode, but that's, that's basically what I have to say about that. Obviously as things reopen, Apple's technology is still going to be needed. There almost certainly will be a time to get back into companies like that and other tech stocks, but for now, let's just see what happens. And what are you, what, Gabe, what are you looking for as a, as a, as a proper conviction that we're turning? Is it when we actually officially get a vaccination and when everyone gets vaccinated and everything's, is that what you're looking for? Cause we could be waiting a very long time for that. Well, I think what a lot of companies have done, and this is what I withdrew uh, particularly from the Appen report, but I feel as though this is really applicable mm -hmm. everywhere else. A lot of companies and businesses are investing into the more essential parts of their business. Uh, which is why Appen, part of the reason why Appen did withdraw its guidance. I feel like a lot of tech may not necessarily be the most important investment for businesses to be making at this stage. Maybe there are other things which are more important to them. Okay, very good. Well, listen, so that's the best and the worst of the ASX this week. Now, do you have a stock pick that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe average in? Why not send us a message and we can ask our panel in the meantime. Let's take a short break. And when we get back, we're going to have the final section of the show.
How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue. Named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec Investment Edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. relationship. Fortunately, it's nothing that can be bought. It's earned. As an investor working with an organisation, they need to demonstrate integrity. They must show consistency, full transparency, accountability. They must be genuine in their approach. Their core values must align with yours. They need to put your interest first. If you are considering investing, work with an organisation that earns and nurtures trust. Work with an organisation you believe in. Work with an organisation that treats you the same way they like to be treated. Join an organisation that views clients as people, not people as clients. If you are considering investing, consider Kosek Kadari Securities. Kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. 
We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Herzig is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Herzig Kadari Securities. Welcome back. The moment we've all been waiting for, the final segment of the Cosec Show. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what oil, gold, and the dollar's done this week. We know what the top performers were. Now, let's see what our panel is looking for for the week to come. Now, Linson. You've had your eye on a couple of things this week. What's your stock and why do you uh, like it at the moment? So, you know, I like keeping you in suspense. So yes. let's uh, build our way up to it. So let's bring that chart up again, the uh, iron ore exports to China. So there's a little spoiler for you. And you've so, really got your eye on ore, haven't you? Very, very good, Will. Uh, I'm going to expect something more when I actually mention the company. So iron ore, seven year high. I think it's actually seven and a half year high. We can see that while China has tensions with us, we have tensions with China. China can't really afford yet to be imposing any sort of tariffs or any other blockages, if you want, on iron ore. So we do have a few choices on the ASX 300. So BHP, mm -hmm. great company, mm -hmm. does a few other things though. The coal, copper, oil. Yes. Rio Tinto, also a great so company. So these are all ones that do iron ore, they but do. you're just going through a bit of a list of what you're thinking. Sure. Yeah, okay. So it's not BHP. Mm -hmm. It's also not Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto does other things as well. So they're in aluminium, copper, diamonds, gold, uranium yes now so let's look at the pure play so someone mentioned champion iron there's carolina and yep. that chart does look very attractive mm -hmm. however track record their cash flows only turned positive i believe the previous financial years so obviously they had only relatively recently started cashing in yes on their production so by no means a bad company but potentially if you're looking for something with a bigger track record there's another at least one better one out there the opportunity of course Fortescue Metals, FMG. I never would have guessed that. Ha, okay, so I'll give you time to work on your pun, but in the meantime, obviously one of the world's largest iron ore producers, they're the lowest cost producer or supplier of seaborne iron ore to China, but they also do other countries like India and South Korea, and they've also recently committed over a billion dollars towards renewables, so they are thinking ahead. Now, if we look at the fundamentals as well, you can see again, going through our top-down value investing approach, Revenues over the past three years, 19.2% compound annual growth. Cash flow is 19.5%. Earnings, 36.9%. Uh, not a surprise given the, uh, the recent growth in the price of iron ore. Major institutions are also fans. Macquarie and UBS buys or outperform. So they're, they're, they're skewed to the positive, would that be right? That's or just skew, skew yeah. to the positive. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's under the circumstances. That's, that's not bad. That's not that's bad. Not yeah, bad. it's not anyway, bad. Continue. You've got time to work your way up with yeah. the other two <laughs> as well. Continue. So, uh, and it, on a technical basis, I don't, what, what's there not to like about this? It sustained that positive MACD cross. I think we've got the chart up yes. at the moment. Uh, it's returned to the upper Donchin channel. The Williams alligator mouth has reopened. 
for our top-down approach, everything lines up very nicely, but particularly that macro story. So I think Fortescue Metals, even if you don't want to get in now, it's there's going to be a pullback relatively soon. You buy that dip as it continues riding up. Because one of the big things you say, yes, there might be a pullback in the actual share price. It's going to come back down again. Sure. But that's not going to... I mean, they've already mined a lot and sold. I'm assuming they've sold a lot of the, mined a lot of the uh, iron ore and they've actually sold it now. So they've already locked in the price at this high price. Would that be a safe assumption to be making? Uh, yes, it could be. But in terms of like how the stock price movement is going to go, mm-hmm. yes. So a, a lot of people, they say they don't want to buy things on the highs. But mm-hmm. if you think about it logically, if something makes a high and always drops, how does the stock price ever go up? Of like at some stage, something has to make a high and keep a, going. That's how it happens. And actually, Fortescue is one of the best examples of this because I can remember, because I'm so old, all the way back to the early days of Fortescue when people were locking in, say, they doubled their money on Fortescue and they're locking in profits and they were thrilled with it until it just kept going and going and going. And this was 15 years ago. And look at where it is now. So... I remember 2017, $4, I think about 4 bucks, got mm. up to about 8 Uh Very, very good return. And now exactly. 20, is it cracked the 20 mark? It's, it's above 20, yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's incredible. So Fortescue Metal, you like that one there. All right, Gabe, let's well, have a quick chat with yourself. What, have, what are you looking at this week? What do you like at the moment? Well, this is one that I don't like just for the week. Yes. So, so this, for, is one, okay. this is one that I have a little bit more of a longer-term view on. And I'll preface this by saying this is heavily macro driven and mm-hmm. that is coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. Earlier on in the year, I was reading a lot of articles from the World Economic Forum, as well as the IMF, and they were discussing, quite broadly speaking, the move away from physical cash, yes, physical currency into digital currency. Okay. Many countries in the world are doing this. The US is gonna potentially releasing digital versions of the dollar. In fact, the original stimulus packet was worded in US digital dollar terms. The Chinese are experimenting with the digital version of the yuan. I've heard murmurs that even here, we are discussing the possibility of having digital currency. Now you're not talking about Bitcoin, uh, I mean, oh, no. <laughs> because that's a whole nother, a whole nother the, podcast. The, the, that is in, uh, certainly a whole other podcast. Yeah. Now, um, what we have seen as well is, and I think this may be a little bit of an underappreciated fact, despite the fact we have this vaccine, I think infection uh, prevention and concern regarding infections will be something prevalent amongst the public conscious. And I think this is going to be something moving forward, despite the fact most people so, will be So inoculated. you're looking at a stock that's going to prevent transfer of, of disease and keep people apart. Is that right? And it's digital. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So so the company, excuse, sorry to keep you all in suspense, is EML Payments. Okay. Now, I like this, um, and I think this is a good long-term proposition off the basis of that. That was formerly di- eMerchants Limited. That's that correct. Correct, the, yes. That's yeah. correct. So... Uh, I do think that the digital payments providers solutions for all sorts of things. I do believe they do supplier payments, healthcare reimbursements, commission payouts, gifts, incentive rewards, things of that nature. I think moving forward with the prevalence of uh, this concern regarding potentially acquiring infections or diseases of all kinds on top of the move away from cash, I think potentially EML. So they do like Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, Visa, MasterCard, all those type of things like that. And they're one of the largest fintech companies in the world, I've heard. I think that's correct, actually. So they're they're actually, because ASX 200 listed company. Yes. Financials in check? What are are you looking at? Yeah, I think stable, obviously, as most things did, a normal hit during COVID. I think the long-term growth prospects for it are quite positive as well. If you look at broker valuations as well at this stage, UBS buy with a $5 target price, Macquarie outperformed $4.40, $4.20, sorry. Okay, and in terms of the chart, have we got a have we got a chart on that one? Yeah, I yet? think we do have a chart, 
And uh, part of the reason why I do think this is a longer term proposition hasn't quite reached its pre-pandemic levels. I think it is trading at around, uh, I believe as of the, the close today, $3.90. Mm-hmm. I do think it still has, uh, has a lot of room for growth moving forward because of those reasons that I outlined before. So we've got, we've got two, because you've got EML and that's yeah. sort of fintech space like that. And that's one that's quite a long way off its all time high. And then we've got, yeah. uh, um, we've got Mr. Cow's one, which is uh, on an all time high. So it's great that you've got two there. One's uh, one's been beaten down a bit. One's on a good momentum streak at the moment, but we have of course, saved the best for last. Sorry, did I miss the pun or did you not think of I one in time? I didn't get a pun oh, for that one. I was really hoping you'd miss that, but it's it <laughs> the first time I didn't get a pun for that one. I'll make it up with double next time. Okay, but we've saved the best for last. Let's talk, uh, Caroline, what are you looking at at the moment and why do you like it? I am looking at Seek Limited, ticker code S-E-K. So no suspense for this one, just straight (laughs) straight in. No suspense, we're just going to jump straight in into Seek. Yep, okay. So the company owns a portfolio of education and employment companies um, across Australia, New Zealand, as well as Asia Pacific. So some notable brands include Seek.com, JobsDB. So that's a, that's a job seeker's way. So when I get fired from COSEC for saying yeah. too many puns on the podcast, okay, I'm going to go on there and be able to seek a job. Is that right? Possibly. That was my sort of, that was my sort of <laughs> half pun <laughs> on that one through there. Talk to us a little bit more about uh, what their financials are like. I'll start with macroeconomics first, actually. So the recent economic figures that have been released, they're really positive. NAP business survey, business confidence survey um, announced in November showed an increase in nine index points. So it's now sitting at 12 points. Mm-hmm. So this is a higher, higher than that of pre-pandemic levels. Wow. Yep. And then also in October's jobs report, um, we had addition of 178,000 jobs, which means to say that people are seeking opportunities. Okay, fundamentally speaking, very sound, very, yes. very sound and stable company revenues, cash flow, and earnings increasing or stable for the last three years, excluding the effects of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, major institutions like Credit Suisse like it a lot as well. Yes. And in terms of the chart, we look at the chart. Um, very, very steady player, consistently making higher highs and higher lows. Broken. Almost seeking new highs, really, isn't Ooh, it? Oh, you're getting there. We're getting this before, though. We've got a lot of these going back and forth. Continue. If you look at the Williams Alligator Indicator, teeth are wide open and it's well above its 200-day exponential moving average. Wow. So there we go. We've got Seek, we've got EML, and we've got Fortescue Metal Group, the iron ore player. All fantastic picks. Thank you very much, ladies and gents. And thank you very much to yourself. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone at the show, I want to wish our clients, friends, and colleagues a safe and happy weekend. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cosec Show. Thank you and have a nice day.